You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Beyond the Headlines with your host, veteran journalist, Darren Nichols. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Headlines. Today, our guest is Camelia Landrum, the new executive director of the Detroit branch of the NAACP. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. It's a pleasure to be here. Camelia, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself and, and, your, and your background. Uh, so I am a Detroit native. I've uh, had the opportunity to kind of live on all sides of the city. Uh, born in our Cass Corridor downtown area. And then I lived east, uh, near East Warren out of Drive. And then lastly, um, west now in the uh, Telegraph 96 area. And um, I attended the Lewis Cass Technical High School, proud Cass Tech graduate, uh, class of 2007. Um, and after high school, I went to FAMU uh, to pursue my undergraduate degree in business administration. And upon completion, I attended Wayne State University for my master's in public administration. Okay. And with the NAACP, tell me a little bit about your background with the NAACP. I have been involved in the NAACP since I was 16 years old. Uh, I joined our youth council at that time, uh, serving as president. And during that time, we were heavily involved in civil rights advocacy work around affirmative action, uh, the Gina Six story in Louisiana, fighting for the restoration of the Voting Rights Act. And so that kind of propelled or fueled my continued uh, support of the NAACP and always wanted to be involved. Uh, so I remained involved in college. And then once I graduated, I became a national board member uh, for our region. We have seven states in our region for NAACP. Um, and, and on that platform, I was able to work on gun violence reform, um, training modules for all of our leaders across the country, and working to implement our game changers. And so I also served dually as an office assistant. That was kind of my first role here at the local branch. Uh, and that is when uh, social media, Facebook was kind of getting popular. So they wanted somebody to make Twitter posts and, and Facebook posts. And so they let me take on that role. Uh, and from there, they just continued to give me opportunities to expand my career. Uh, and so now... Uh, most recently, since this past January, I've been appointed as executive director after seven years full time staff, 14 years total with the organization. Okay. Now, you're all, you're the only second woman following in the footsteps of Mama Joanne Watson. Yes. Such a powerful woman. And the youngest in the job. Mm -hmm. First of all, has it really hit you yet that you have taken on? This job, meaning you've grown up with the NAACP. Mm -hmm. um, there's Mama Watson. There is Hester Wheeler. There is John Johnson. There's a, a number of people, Donnell White. There's a number of people who have done wonderful things in that job. Yes. So has it hit you yet? And then with that, what kind of pressure does it come with? knowing all of these outstanding leaders that have come before you? 
So, yes, it has hit me. Um, one, it's something I've been wanting since I was in our youth pro- department, youth program. Uh, but two, not many people get to interview and be groomed for a position with all of the, you know, past four executive directors. Uh, so I've had the opportunity to know John, Joanne, Donnell, Hester since I was 16 years old. Um, and I've been able to see their leadership at work, uh, whether it be directly involved with the NAACP or across the community, uh, they are always a phone call away. And so it is very uh, reassuring to know that those who once held your position also approve of you to keep it going uh, because they all had a hand in uh, saying, if yes, they would support me as a candidate. Uh, but two, knowing that they are right there to make sure that the decisions that are being made um, and that the voice that needs to be given or shared for the community is there. And so I enjoy having their support. Um, I enjoy just knowing that, um, as I've been kind of saying, this is how leadership development should be in our community. This is how succession planning should be in our community. We should invest in our leaders. And once we put our time and our resources and they're able to take on the baton of leadership, we should pass it. And that's exactly what they have done. And I wish more people would replicate this. Sure. And so getting getting to what you were saying, how has that experience that knowledge base um, and your experience of being uh, inside the branch since you were 16 Mm -hmm. um, helped you to get ready to lead the organization. So our work is guided by five game changers, education, criminal justice, civic engagement, economic sustainability and health that that's kind of our our groundwork for how we conduct our programming um, and our projects for the community. And of course, responding to uh, special programs for Ask the Lawyer. Right now we have a second chance program with expungement. All of the programs that we do, I've had an opportunity of leading. And so either actually preparing the program, creating the project and or executing the project, um, it's put me in a place where I have full knowledge of how it should operate. It also opens your eyes to the issues that are in the community. So you know where your work needs to be directed in order for it to be impactful. Um, NAACP has never closed a door for me to learn. They've always had an open door policy. If there was a meeting that I, you know, maybe it wasn't on my schedule, but it was something that was important to talk about. They always let me in on the conversation. Uh, did I always know everything that was going on? Absolutely not. But they let me sit there to listen. And that's how you learn. And so it's ingrained that historical knowledge that's needed. This is a very, um, unique position to have in the city because one, you are the voice of the community. You know, you get to sit at so many different tables and you have to represent everyone that is looking for that advancement. And so I don't take it lightly at all uh, because, you know, one day I could be sitting in front of some of our Cortner partners fundraising for special work that we want to be able to do in the community. The next day I could be sitting with political leaders that need to have our input on policy and laws that are being created that still have an impact on our community. So you have to be able to, uh, one, talk, be able to, you know, reach everyone and communicate the issues, but you still have to also be relatable to the community so that they will share the issues with you um, and just relevant, you know, uh, or, or pay attention to, to what is going on. So what 
will you bring to the table as the executive director and and what are some of your plans and and i say that not to diminish anything that you've mm-hmm. done but each leader brings a special it factor to the table right so what is the it factor for you that makes that's going to make you a great executive director i want people to be reconnected to the action of the NAACP. So with all of our game changers, we have an education component because we need people to know what the issues are. Then we have an advocacy component because now we need to work on changing how what the issue is. So if it's a law, for instance, that needs to be changed, whether it be federally, locally, uh, statewide, I want people to know that they can count on action to be associated with those changes. And that's where they can engage with. People want to be involved in the NAACP. They want to support it. They need something to do. And so my goal, uh, working through our committees, expanding them to have people, uh, give people opportunities to sign up more, have their voices heard, uh, making sure that all of our, our story is told even the more. The NAACP already does a number of programs. We do a lot of work. I work a lot of hours. <laughs> and so when people say, hey, I don't know what you're doing, then I know, okay, we need to get the word out a little bit better about our programs and our resources that we offer. And so that's what I want to be able to do. Make sure people know that they can always connect and engage and then give people something to do. And that's that action that helps our advocacy work. So this is a big year for the NAACP. Mm -hmm. Obviously, in about maybe six weeks, the annual Freedom Fund Dinner is coming up and the National Convention is coming to Detroit this summer. Um, can you talk about both of those and share with the viewers or listeners um, what some of the plans are? So, Darren, this is so exciting um, to, one, have been a part of these programs for so long, but now to lead the planning and the implementation and execution for them. The last time the National Convention was here, I was graduating from high school. <laughs> uh, so now for it to come back and newly be appointed as executive director, uh, but be responsible for all of the branches, initiatives and planning. I just think that is a true testament to NAACP's uh, development of leaders and also just commitment to uh, advance in our community. So for Freedom Weekend, which leads up to the Freedom Fund Dinner, uh, we have a career day plan that's going to be May 1st. That's an opportunity to showcase our AXO programs. Uh, And so students, uh, high school students, they get to learn about careers in the STEM field, business field, humanities, culinary arts, visual arts. Um, I think I missed one. Business, STEM, humanities, culinary arts, visionary arts. We're also adding hospitality. And so students will learn what it's like to pursue a career, uh, whether it's academia related within those fields, educational, if they choose to be an entrepreneur in those fields and or if they choose to work for a company in those fields. Um, We tie that all back into making sure that they also get training on leadership and advocacy, financial management. So that's our career day uh, experience for our young people. That next day, Thursday, May 1, 
May 2, we're going to have a job fair, Jobs, 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 Super Career Expo. Uh, this Saturday, we are launching our in-person job club trainings, which will help individuals that are seeking employment if they need resume writing skills, uh, if they need to learn interviewing skills, if they need their LinkedIn profiles updated, uh, if they need to learn how to research a company and properly prepare, they'll receive all those trainings prior to the job fair. So we're going to give you training resources, actually take you through a a module. It's a partnership we have with Fifth Third Bank for them to um, give you all of the resources you need. And then we're going to put you in a room with 30 potential employers that are looking to hire the kind of candidates that we're grooming. Uh, So we have that going on. And then also the Big Freedom Fund Dinner. It's the largest sit-down dinner of its kind. It's very special to me, very special to our president, Reverend Anthony. Um, We always say it's not just a dinner. Uh, It's a special gathering of individuals that are committed to social justice. It's a networking opportunity. I mean, you have all of your elected officials, your business leaders, religious leaders, community members. Uh, We provide so many complimentary tickets to young students that are in uh, school in the Detroit area so that they can experience too and learn the importance of why we do this for our community. So that's Freedom Weekend, our Freedom Fund Dinner. No, we haven't announced the speaker yet. Everybody always wants to know. Come on, it's just just me and you. You can... you can tell us to right now. Me, you, and all these listeners, but uh, we have not announced a speaker yet. I can always say you're going to love the speaker no matter who it is, um, and and you have to be in the room. Uh, we also have our national convention coming up uh, July 20th through the 24th. It'll be in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, this is the 110th NAACP convention. Last time it was here was 2007. Uh, so we have some of our partners that are coming together, our sponsors. DTE Energy, Quicken Loans, uh, the Skillman Foundation, Chemical Bank, Ford Motor Company, Fifth Third. They are working very hard to make sure um, that we have an experience like none other. And so we want to, the convention is for our NAACP members and supporters, but when it comes to Detroit, it's for the community too. Uh, And so we want all of our residents that are, you know, coming from east side of town, east side, west side, southwest Detroit, we want them to know that the NAACP convention is in town uh, and they are a part of the movement. Sure. And speaking of the community, I mean, much has been made about two Detroits. Mm-hmm. I won't ask you whether it's real or not. It's real. Okay. <laughs> you said it, I didn't. It's real. Um, But my question really goes to what can the branch do to help those who are dis- disenfranchised in Detroit? Um, and it's not to, to suggest that you're not mm-hmm. already doing those things, but Given the disparity um, in the 7.2 versus what goes on in the neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. what can you all do to help the disenfranchised? And what are some other things that that in addition to what you have done can do more? Our biggest uh, strength is that we are an advocacy organization and we're also the bridge oftentimes between community and corporate and government. People trust the name of the NAACP and our community and also vice versa um, from the corporate elected official community. Uh, So when you have NAACP that's able to say, 
I know you're doing development in this area, but what about Seven Mile and Livernois? What about East Warren and Outer Drive? What about uh, Six Mile and Greenfield? We have businesses all across the city of Detroit that are active, active neighborhoods that uh, create economic impact, but they need the same kind of opportunities uh, and and resources that are being given to these businesses that are going downtown. Same thing for residential housing programs. Uh, same thing for education. You know, we need to make sure that our students that are in the Detroit public school system have the same resources as those uh, that may not be. Funding should be equitable. So all of these kind of issues tie into NAACP being an advocate for the community with that advocacy is telling the message is making sure that folks know what needs to be heard and that that voice is uplifted at the table. To me, that's our best role. Um, and when it's not listened to, then that's when we go into action. Uh, that's what we have been known for. And that's what we'll continue to do. Okay. And millennials, it's, it's always been difficult to get young people involved with the NAACP. What do you think your plans will be to try to attract more younger people, more millennials into the NAACP and to get them engaged in the organization? So I think the spin on that is that we haven't told the story well enough of how young people have moved the NAACP. We have, we are the only civil rights organization that has a, a youth and college division, 25,000 members strong across this country. We're the only organization in which seven of our national board seats are specifically reserved for millennials, young people between the ages of 18 to 25. They get a seat at the table and have their voice uplifted, heard, community meetings, assignments, the same as any other adult would. They are not deplenished in any voting roles or anything like that. Uh, so young people are a part of the NAACP. I wish we sometimes did a better story, a better job of telling that story, even from a national level on down. Our branch president, Reverend Anthony, is a strong advocate and supporter of youth leadership. Uh, you see that in his support of our previous executive director, Donnell White. Uh, when he was appointed, I think he was right around 33, 34, youngest in the country. Uh, I'm just 30, youngest in the country again. And so he is not afraid to uplift um, that millennial voice and trust the leadership of young people to kind of carry on the baton. I will say that it is always uh, an open door to create new programming, maybe uh, put a spin on how um, a particular subject is marketed or advertised so that it kind of hits um grabs the attention differently, um, but it still boils down to the same, same, you know, civil rights, social justice core message that we has as, have, a, has, have as an organization. Okay. On another note, we're going to do something a little fun. Uh-oh. We're going to have a little rapid fire question. <laughs> and I hope you'll enjoy some of these. Okay. Your favorite color. Red. Somehow I knew that that would be your favorite color. Yes. Today is my 10th anniversary of joining the Beta Alpha chapter of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. And as a husband of a lady of Delta Sigma Theta, I certainly knew that that was going to be your favorite color. <laughs> your favorite food or drink. Oh, favorite food, definitely a marbled ribeye steak. 
Okay. Uh, your favorite movie? Favorite movie. Oh, this is a tricky one. Um, I am going to say The Temptations. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Your favorite actor or actress? Favorite actor. Now, see, I'm kind of old school, Darren. I know I look young. <laughs> you, you, can be as, you can be as old school as you want to be. Um, My favorite actor, I am going to say Denzel. You got to go with Denzel. Okay. He is just okay. uh, so phenomenal. Okay. okay. The next one, The Wire, Power, or Empire? Ooh, Power, definitely. Okay. <laughs> Your favorite song? My favorite song. It is a song that my mother wrote. It's called King of Glory. Um, and hopefully it'll be out soon. But that is indeed one of my favorite songs. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, my mom. So my mom and my stepdad, um, they um, wrote music together a lot. And now my mom continues to write music. She's a gospel singer. Uh, and she pastors our church. It's on Seven Mile in Rutherford. And she's always just kind of singing around the house. And so this song, uh, King of Glory, is something that she wrote. Um, and it just speaks to the true kind of belief and faith in in, in the Lord. And um, it, it just inspires me to keep going. Okay. Uh, your favorite song? My favorite. Oh, outside of? Outside of my mom? Outside of your mom, your your favorite song. Uh, let's go with James Brown. I'm black and I'm proud. <laughs> okay. uh, your favorite artist? My favorite artist? Let's see. I'm trying to give you a little bit of all my sides. Um, I'm going to, of course, I have to uplift my sister, Beyonce. Um, but a member of the Bay High. Oh, yes. I see. In okay. addition to Beyonce, I have a strong love for Shania Twain, too. <laughs> okay. 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 There's nothing wrong with that. And are you a hip-hop fan? I'm definitely a hip-hop fan, but don't get to asking me about too many names. So Biggie or Tupac? Oh, Hit 'em Up was uh, a... <laughs> that was a good one. Mm, Biggie or Tupac? <sighs> I'm going to go with the Bad Boy family, Biggie. Okay, okay. And then... Your favorite activity when you're not at work? Decorating. I love to decorate. Morning or late person to get work done? Late. Um, I literally stopped sending emails probably about 3.30 this morning. Okay. Okay. And what annoys you the most? Laziness. I, I, people that um, don't have good follow through <laughs> or laziness. Uh, that it just slows everything down. So I like go-getters. Um, also red lights. <laughs> that would be a, a good annoyance. <laughs> red lights annoy me too. <laughs> um, and before we get out of here, um, give me some of your final thoughts on uh, the NAACP, your tenure, and where you would like to see things go. Uh, so first, thank you so much for having me, allowing me this opportunity, uh, this platform to share the good work of the NAACP. Um, I am so empowered, thankful, um, 
appreciative of the NAACP answering the call for our community for so long. Um, you know, whether we go back to housing discrimination, job discrimination, um, at the end of the day, the NAACP is an advocacy organization. We do a lot of programs, particularly for our young people, um, and for, you know, to provide community resources at no cost. But we are an advocacy organization. We use our voice to change laws because we know that once laws are changed, that's how true impact and effect is made in the community. Um, I want people to get engaged and have their voices be heard at the table. Um, you cannot complain about the problems if you are not supporting uh, your institutions in the community that are uplifting your issues. And so we are as strong as our members. We are as strong as our supporters. Um, and I want folks to know that they can count on the Detroit branch and NAACP to be strong advocates for our community. Well, thank you, Camelia. I appreciate you taking out your time and speaking with Beyond the Headlines. And for this edition, that's a wrap. Thank you. And until next time, we'll see you on Beyond the Headlines. As we leave Beyond the Headlines, I want to give our listeners an inspirational quote for you guys to ponder each week as you get ready for the new show. It's from Dr. Martin Luther King. It reads, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Until next time, we'll see you on Beyond the Headlines.